Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show on Twitter at Championship Pod. And you can also follow my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Hi, I'm Lewis and I represent Sheffield United on the podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at underscore LH9 underscore. And I'm Catherine. I'm a long-suffering Middlesbrough fan. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I am at Base Lady. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. I know it's your first time on this season, Lewis, and Catherine's first time on ever to talk about Middlesbrough. So looking forward to doing this episode. Um, we'll jump, sort of, first of all, Friday night fixture and one that I watched sort of the majority of the game before going out. And it sort of surprised me the fact that Birmingham had that many attempts. And I don't think Swansea sort of looking through the, the match stats even had an attempt on goal, uh, sort of certainly on target. How do or how did you two sort of see that game going? Were you expecting a Swansea win? I know sort of from watching the game last weekend, been a Preston fan where they played quite well in the first half, but then second half they died off a bit and we kind of had the, them on the ropes at times, but I was still expecting Swansea to go to Birmingham move. You know, obviously their troubles have been highlighted over the summer and, and at least get, you know, a win, whether it be a one goal win or sort of by more. How did you two sort of see that game going and, and do you think Swansea can push for an immediate return back to the Premier League this season? Yes, so it's Birmingham Swansea game is a, a difficult one to predict from the weekend. I'm really not a big fan of Graham Potter and um I'm still not convinced from him um, coming into the season. Obviously, we, uh, Sheffield United, we played um, Swansea the first game of the season. And in typical Sheffield United fashion, we dominated the game, created about 11 clear-cut chances and lost the game 2-1 in two short spells where they hit us on the counter-attack. Birmingham, on the other hand, they've obviously got Gary Monk in charge, which proven it championship level obviously is yet to get a team out of the division but he's he's done good things with a lot of different clubs and there is the spine of the squad your likes of Harley Dean Jota Shea Adams they've got the players there that could propel them up the table but it's just with the transfers the obviously the embargo that's happening down there at the minute the ownership what seems to not have really much clue what's going on it was a really hard one to predict. I would have probably still gone Swansea's way just on the fact of the bit of a poor showing that's going on at Birmingham at the moment. But yeah, I think I think a nil-nil is 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 actually about right. And I, I didn't actually watch the game. I've only watched the highlights. And and like you said, um, it sent that Birmingham was really on top of the game and, and Swansea really couldn't have got into it. So going, going on to the season, I think, the two clubs might be uh, about the same in the division. I don't. I definitely don't think Swansea is going to be challenging 
anywhere near um, playoffs this year. And Birmingham City, they might be looking at a relegation battle. Yeah, um, so my Friday night in was very exciting. Um, not only watching this nil-nil, but um, also losing my bet, because I did think Swansea would uh, have no problems against Birmingham. Um, I proved to be wrong there. Um, it was an incredible game to watch, absolutely. Um, Birmingham were just peppering the goal. Um, in particular, one Lukas Jukovic, who was uh, uh, not a very popular player when he was at Middlesbrough, uh, kind of missing a lot of sitters, and that seems to be continuing for him uh, at Birmingham now. Um, but yeah, Swansea were definitely set up to just do the classic counter-attack, but they just seemed to have nothing in their back pocket. Um was quite impressed by Joel Asaro, but at the end of the day, it, yeah, it was it was a bit of a funny game. Um, I thought Swansea might do the classic uh, injury time 1-0 win, but um, no, the start of the weekend was um, that 0-0 result. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I agree with Lewis and I don't think either side is going to be up there in the playoffs. Um, mid-table for both of them for me, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with you too. I think to go to Lewis's point about Graham Potter, what Swansea and sort of Graham Potter don't really have is a lot of experience at this level. Obviously, Potter coming into England to, to manage and you look at the Swansea team, I think Martin Olsen was the only player there over the age of 25. So it's quite a young squad and a squad that has a lot of expectation on it. Obviously, Swansea fans will be eager to get back up to the, the Premier League as soon as possible. They've They've brought in well or sort of recruited well over the summer. You know, you'd like to Bursan, Chilina, Ollie McBurney, decent players at this level. But, you know, you look through that squad and there's not really a sort of standout leader who's going to, you know, sort of fire the team up. And I think that could be their undoing this season. Obviously, you look at it on the other hand and say, you know, no experience, no fear. Um, but I do think, yeah, I agree with you, Catherine, that they'll, they'll come up a bit short this season. Probably have a... a pressed any type season and finish you know just outside the playoffs and then look to build from next year I think for them and sort of the teams that have come down really it was about you know clearing out the high earners and sort of looking to start again and getting a foothold back in the division and making sure that they didn't do what Sunderland did last season which was you know poor recruitment in the summer and you know absolute free fall look how they've turned out so yeah, I think Swansea will come up a bit short. I think Birmingham, if they can sort of get that embargo lifted um, sort of sooner rather than later, same as Sheffield Wednesday, have, you know, should stay in the division. I think there's worse teams than them. you got the likes of uh, Yotta, who, you know, can win a game single-handedly at times for them. So I think they'll be fine and probably sort of mid-table for them as well is a sort of a realistic shout. But then to move into the weekend, I'm going to skip the Middlesbrough game for now, Catherine, because we'll come on to them in a bit. So we'll start with the the whole Blackburn game first. 1-0 win to Blackburn and Bradley Dack, you know, scoring again for them. And I think this season he's going to be an absolutely crucial player. What did you two make of that result? Were you surprised that Blackburn were able to go to Holland and get a result? Or did you see that sort of result going the way it did? I, I really, I wasn't surprised at all. Um Blackman have done some really good business and not only bringing in some players like Sir Casey Palmer, um, but they've also kept it, like you say, keeping Bradley Dack, keeping Lenahan, Mulgrew, players which could 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 have gone easily to your likes of your Stokes or your Nottingham Foresters in the division this year. But they've they've kept they've kept that spine that got them up and they've built upon it. On the other hand, you have Hull who 
you'll know from last season and from Eternity, I can't stand Nigel Atkins with a vengeance. And I just think he's a ridiculous manager. I think he's a ridiculous man. And you can even see, um, if you watch the, the post-match interview, I think there was ridiculous stats in the game. I think Blackburn had 60-odd percentage of the ball and Nigel Atkins still turned after the game and said, yeah, um, we, we played we played pretty well, just the result didn't come at the end. Um, so I, I think he's he's really going to derail derail Hull the way he derailed us. And I think Hull are in trouble this year, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, the past couple of years for Hull, actually, has just been quite phenomenal. Um, what's been going on with the owners, and they really had a completely threadbare squad last season. And I definitely see their problems continuing, really. I can't see any great changes coming there. Um, as for Blackburn, they've had a fantastic start to the season. Um, Tony Mowbray, obviously a former Middlesbrough manager and captain. I'm quite a big fan of his. And I think he's definitely got the knowledge uh, to do really well in this division. Um, so he's got them up and they're sort of continuing on from last season, really. Um, performing really well. They're a strong side. Um, they can go to um, other teams home grounds and just um, battle out and get results you know they're not getting intimidated or anything like that so I definitely think Blackburn are going to be ones to watch this season. Yeah I agree with you there Catherine I think and seeing how when Preston came up to use as an example you get a team that's used to winning week in week out same as Sheffield United last season Lewis you know you're winning week in week out and you go to these places like Hull and teams that have struggled last season Without any real fear, you know, you get beat and people say, oh, well, new team in the division. So they can go there, you know, no fear. And we've seen that from Blackburn. Bolton, to some extent, even though they were up last season, have played with sort of a real fearlessness so far this season and, you know, find themselves up near the top of the table, uh, despite it still being early days, of course. But, yeah, not surprised at all in the, the slightest with the result. I think Blackburn will have a good season this year. And yeah, like you mentioned, Catherine, I think they could be dark horses to potentially sort of finish in and around the playoffs, similar to, you know, your likes of Millwall last season. The next game, though, and one that did come as a surprise to me, and it cost me my accumulator, so I'm quite bitter about it. Ipswich and Aston Villa finished one all. So looking at the game, I had a Villa win there. I thought Ipswich, you know, they, they have struggled a bit start of this season and, and you know Aston Villa keeping all the you know players like Jack Grealish in the summer was was absolutely crucial for them were you to expecting a point there or were you expecting a, a Villa win no I don't um, I don't think a lot of people were expecting um, Ipswich to get a point as good as the job Paul Hurst did do at Shrewsbury last season I think he's kind of coming to a job at Ipswich which is a bit of a poison chalice at the minute like it's just that that seems to be that club in the championship that you get enough funds to stay in the division, but you've got nothing there. That's, I think, the reason why Mick McCarthy wasn't as successful. Like He just didn't have that backing in being there for so long. You, you, want, you want to progress. You want, a, you want a, the board behind you that are going to root you on, give you the funds to take you out of the division, and, and Ipswich aren't getting that. And I think you can kind of see that with the signings. Yeah, they've brought in quite a lot of young young talent, but it's it's your likes of um, John Nolan and Nciala from Shrewsbury, guys with only a couple years left in the contract. And yeah, they've had one or two good seasons in League One and League Two, but you you, you t- you're taking a risk. It's all well and good 
taking a punt on one or two of these players, like a, a lot of a lot of clubs in the championship do. We do it a lot. Um, but when your entire recruitment is behind taking punts on youth, I don't think I don't think you're going to succeed there. But on the other hand, Aston Villa, obviously they've stuck with Steve Bruce after everyone thought Henri was going to uh, be the next manager and stuck with him, gave him a bit of money to spend, brought in John McGinn from Scotland and got the likes of Codger back for it, obviously, keeping Jack Grealish. That's that's a massive, it's like a sign in itself for Villa fans and they should be up there. They've got the team to, to be pushing forward. Now, obviously, we're only three, four games in, so there's, you can't really predict the table at all, but Aston Villa are definitely going to have to improve on the pitch if they're going to want to finish where they did last season. Yeah, I think if there's any manager who you can kind of uh, wind up in pre-season and use that as a a bit of a stick to beat him with, it's going to be Steve Bruce. I think he's going to, you know, take what happened with the Henri saga. He's got this extra money. I think he's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to prove this that this is going to work this season. Um, I totally had them down for an away win at Ipswich. Um, but credit to Ipswich, they actually played the majority of the game with 10 men. So to show that character to come back and uh, get a point is fantastic for them. Um, however, they've got Derby on Tuesday. Um, again, I feel like it's a club that's got a bit of trouble in the back room, given the way McCarthy went at the end of the season. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be a bright season for Ipswich. Um, McCarthy totally hit his glass ceiling, got really frustrated, couldn't take them any further, really. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen for Ipswich. I think it's going to be more of the same until there's change in the back room, really. Yeah, I agree with you there, Catherine, about Ipswich. We had Benjamin on last season, you know, countless times, and he was saying the the feeling around Portman Road is it's sort of come to breaking point, really, with them. Obviously, as you mentioned, Lewis, they're not giving that back in. They've got a squad just good enough to stay in the league each year. And, you know, you really have to ask sort of questions of the owners there, what their ambitions are long-term for them. You know, they brought in Paul Hurst, but a manager who's making a step up a division and then not to back him enough to let him bring in, you know, players with experience in this division and and a higher quality of player, you know, taking punts on on younger players from the lower leagues, you know, he's only going to get you so far. So I think they're one of the teams that I do worry about this season. I think if they're not careful, they could slip towards that relegation zone sort of over the course of the season. And I remember saying to Benjamin at the time when McCarthy went last season, you know, quite a lot of Ipswich fans were happy with that. But, you know, be careful what you wish for. It's not always the case that the grass is greener if you get someone else in just for the sake of it. I think, you know, McCarthy took him as far as he could given sort of he had his hands tied behind his back. So, you know, time will tell how Hurst will get on. But, you know, I do sort of have a slight worry for them this season. You know, if they're not careful and don't invest in January, I think they'll uh, be in a fight to stay up. One team, though, who aren't in a fight to stay up, given sort of the, the recent form at the start of the season and the game that we'll move on to next, Leeds United, perfect start so far under Bielsa. Talked a lot about Bielsa and his effect last week on the show. So if you want to listen, definitely check that out. Um, but, yeah, 2-0 win at home against Rotherham, Yorkshire Derby. I think it was sold out Ellen Road. And, you know, there seems to be, for the first time in quite a while, a really sort of positive feeling around around Leeds and sort of the football club as a whole, which, you know, over the, the chopping and changing the managers the last few years, you know, I, I didn't think sort of I'd be sat here saying that. I thought they'd go for another few years of chopping and changing and, and languishing in mid-table. But 
you know, credit to them. They've brought in a, a manager with, you know, a wealth of experience and, and backed him in the summer. Did you two uh, expect the, the comprehensive win for Leeds yesterday? And do you think that they can keep this up over the course of this season? Uh, yeah, I think this was the game for me to, to kind of know whether Bielsa means business in this division. Obviously, I'm, I live in Leeds. A lot of my good pals are all Leeds, so I, 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 I can't at the end of it how, how good Bielsa is, how attacking, free-flowing their football is and how they're going to turn up this year and batter the division. But I think as that the result at Rotherham, well, Rotherham coming to Ellen Road, it's it's a it's a good one to build on from Leeds because as Leeds, that's it's the Yorkshire derbies, are the games where the Leeds always seem to fall up trumps. Obviously, last season both Sheffield clubs took six points at six points at Leeds. Hull Hull beat them at Ellen Road, um, and you've just they don't, they always seem to the morale seems to fall. There's obviously a lot of animosity. Ellen Road between the fans and it has been for a good couple of years because of just the stature of the club and let's be right not many people like Leeds that don't support them but you can't take away the stature of the club the history behind and they don't deserve to be in this league just from a history and um, perspective but yeah finally they've got that manager that seems to get these this this money in and seems to have got these plays and made them tick and you just you can just see it with on the picture he likes Akeem Aru for a 300k signing from Oxford a couple of seasons ago, and I can't I can't see him um, get dropping out of the team, keeping out a seven million pound Patrick Bamford. Um, so yeah, they they're definitely going to be a team to watch out for this season. As for Rotherham, well, I think obviously everyone's tipped those to be rock bottom, barely picking up any points. We'll see. We'll see with Rotherham. They haven't played much good stuff, but they've got a nice, nice young boss in Paul Warner. Hopefully, it'd be nice to see have a little, have them a stint in the championship again. But I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. So Leeds, obviously, um, quite a big rival for Middlesbrough. Definitely our biggest rival in the championship, anyway. Um, so for the past few years. All I'm worried about with Leeds is that we get some points off them. But now I think for me, they will probably win the league. If not, they'll definitely get automatic promotion. Um, even before Saturday's game, I, I kind of convinced myself of that. Um, and sometimes I think in football, it's not it's not necessarily the players you're bringing and the transfers that you do, but it's the whole PR job. And it's been years and years since Leeds fans have been this happy. There's been such an atmosphere Ellen Road's been buzzing um, since Bielsa came in. Um, and just looking at them, they actually look like a dangerous team. Um, I I can count on one hand the number of teams that look vaguely dangerous um, when attacking in the Championship. You don't see it a lot. It's not as, as um, pressing as the Premier League. But Leeds, for me, um, when we play them in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be very nervous. Um, that's going to be a huge game for Middlesbrough. Um at the top of the table there. But Leeds have just got some fantastic players. So Samuel Saez looks incredible. Um, he's going to be a real key man for them this season. Um, interestingly, they signed Patrick Bamford from Middlesbrough. So he was one of our main strikers. Um, he's had a hit and miss few years from being at Burnley and even being at Middlesbrough, not being able to get in the team. 
So he seems to be quite um, an emotional player who um, is very affected by his form and what's going on around him. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets to contribute um, to um, their success. So he played for them and scored in the cup game last week. But will he get a chance in the league? I'm not sure. This team looks really spot on for me, I'm afraid to say. Yeah, you mentioned PR job there, Catherine, at the start and getting that right. And that takes me nicely on to the next game. One team that have had a lot of media attention over the summer with their appointment of manager, Derby County. Um, every time you, know, you see Derby's mentioned sort of on Sky Sports News or anything like that, there's always a mention of Frank Lampard. And, you know, it seems to be a bit of a circus at the moment around sort of him and how much they're sort of fixating on him being the new manager of Derby County. And, you know, after that first win on the opening night of the season against Reading, you know, everyone was tipping him for promotion. So sort of the last couple of weeks have been a bit difficult for him. Obviously, a 2-1 defeat at Millwall yesterday. Millwall, a team who, you know, surprised a lot of people last season. And, you know, they've managed to keep hold of their sort of core of players over the summer and expect them to have another good season this year. How do you two see Derby's season going under Frank Lampard? Do you think he's got sort of the tactical know-how in, you know, a very difficult league to to get Derby up in and around the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think all this media is going to do him any help whatsoever. You've seen it with your likes of... Gary Neville, um, his managerial career fell to tatters. Same with you, like Alan Shearer. They've walked into a big managerial job, and which Derby is a big job for your first professional management. And if you don't get that dream start, um, it's it can easily, and the media obviously will easily turn on Frank Lampard as much as as much as they seem to love him at the minute, even after a for what was it 4-1 trouncing to Leeds um they'll easily snap snap on Frank Lampard and and he's obviously he's an easy he'll be an easy target to put the blame on so i think he really needs to um put his head down this next couple of weeks and pick up a few he's going to need the results because or he'll be a he'll be the first uh, headline headliner to be going for the chop just just due to his stature, not 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 even due to to his managerial ability or how his team's going. Like if he if he can't pick up, like say six points in his next four games, um, it it'll it'll come to end of September and the BBC and Sky Sports are already going to be calling to ax him. On the other hand, you have Millwall, um, a team in this a very similar boat as. As Sheffield United, we've both got young, we've both got young managers, fans of the clubs, former players of the club, absolutely adore each club. And um, Millwall are a team on the rise. Again, the same boat as us. They don't have the funds for it. I think on net spend um, in the past two seasons. Us and, us and Millwall are at the bottom of actual money we're spending on wages and transfers in the division. And But on the pitch, luckily, it's it's not showing. And even though they haven't made that many marquee signings this year, they've still got, they've still got those key players. They've still held on to Lee Gregory after we chased him for a couple of months. You like George Savalu. I think Borough might have been after him. Um, I know Stoke. Quite a few top-end teams were after him. 
But they've keep that caught and and a win a win against Derby, one of the title favourites, if you will. That's only going to do them well. And I can't see them struggling this season. Maybe even a push on push on from last year. Yeah, um, it's been a bit of a, a, re, a bit of a tough start for Frank Lampard. Obviously, coming into a huge club, really for for a first job like that, um, all eyes on him, very high profile. And actually, that game, the f- very first day of the season, I think he was really flattered with that win because Reading were hammering Derby, um, and I don't quite know how they managed to get, get away with that. Um, he's even said this weekend. Uh, the squad can't expect to turn up at half-time and win games. Uh, they're getting kind of a lot of late goals. Um, David Nugent actually has got a career history of doing that. Um, but against Millwall, it wasn't enough for them. So Millwall, for me, um, they're going to do fine this season, I think. They're certainly scoring a lot of goals. Um, I think they just need to tighten up at the back um, and they should expect a top-half finish, definitely. As for Derby, I'm yet to be convinced, but um, if... Lampard's still there in January. You wonder what kind of um, impact he could have in the transfer market then. Yeah, I completely agree about Lampard. I think, you know, the the last thing he needed in his first managerial job at, you know, quite a big club in this division is all the media attention. He, he needed to to get his head down and, you know, work with his players. And I think the international break in a couple of weeks' time is going to come at the perfect time for him. You know, that attention will kind of go away for a week or two while the international games are on, especially with the sort of the hype around England again, uh, with regards to the national teams, I think that's going to be key for in that period, you know, getting to work with his players on systems, that kind of thing. And I think after that international break will be sort of the, the real sort of bearer then of, of how he's going to get on for the course of the season. But I think definitely, similarly to Leeds, they need to give him time. You know, Derby have chopped and changed over sort of recent years and, you know, they need to back a manager now and, and let him build his own squad. But to move on to the next game and one of the teams that have took me by surprise so far this season and I expected them to be down at the foot of the table. But, you know, it's still early days and a long way to go. Bolton went to Reading and got a 1-0 win. And in terms of Bolton, you know, great start for them. I think looking at the way they started and and the recruitment over the summer, I think they should be fine this year. The the team that I am worrying about and talking to Simeon, who comes on the podcast as well, he's starting to worry a bit now. Reading are really looking like they could be in trouble this season. How do you two see them getting on? And do you think that they will go down this year or do you think that they've got enough about them to stay up? Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Um, a, a, team, a team such as Reading, like on paper... They they shouldn't have to worry. They shouldn't be they, the team that Reading have. They should be putting two three goals past the Bolton side on paper. You like leaders like Paul McShane, Liam Moore at the back. Got recruit David Myler. What what a signing that is in midfield at Championship level. Um, and then you like John Swift and they recruited Sam Baldock, who I would have loved to have seen at Bramall Lane. Mark McNulty from Coventry, who. We had him a couple of seasons in League One and I was devastated when we let him go on a free. I thought he's a fantastic striker, always works his socks off, knows where the back of the net is. He was really regarded as the heir to Billy Sharp. Um, but there's obviously something there that Paul Clement's not able to get out of this set of players. And I know um, a lot of Derby fans 
if you talk to Derby fans about Paul Clement, they uh, they're really negative towards him. Say how he's his transfer policies are not right. His just the his whole package really. Hopefully, I'd, I, I I wouldn't like to see Reading. Um, I wouldn't like to see Reading down. Um, I think I think they've got, like I said, I think on paper they've got the squad to be there. Whether whether Paul Clement's going to be the man to keep him up, I I don't think he is. I think they're going they're going to have to recruit. You've got you've got quite a few quite a few managers. Maybe a like say Ian Holloway coming out, give a give Quest a break, and so they can get in a different pundit. Um, maybe maybe he's a man that could keep him up. But moving on to Bolton, Bolton again. It's a it's a really weird one. Last season they held on by the skin of the teeth and. Like you said, when when you first season up and you you hold on, you kind of you kind of going into the second season have, still have that same feeling as what a promotion promoter team has, because people are still top topping you, tipping you, sorry, to go down again. You can go to places like Reading with no fear, and and manage a one nil win. And looking at the stats from the game, Bolton really heavily dominated the game on chances created and possession. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, um, for the past few years, I mean, I think many of us have wondered how Bolton have managed to stay in the championship for so long. They've not looked like a good side. Um, They've struggled heavily, but... Indeed, maybe they are surviving from, uh, basing from that euphoria of staying up last season. They're just taking that on, being fearless and going for it. And uh, fair play to them. But again, I think it's quite early to be tipping Bolton for an incredible season. I think we're still very early on and we need to let things level out. Um, And I'd apply that same logic to Reading as well. Obviously, all fans of all clubs are really nervous at the start of the season, want to make a strong start, start to get worried if it's not... um, how they thought it might play out. Um, but Reading, I think, had a, a difficult first couple of fixtures, to be honest. So they had Derby at home, obviously. Huge game on that Friday night, Frank Lampard's first game. Uh, they played quite well, I think. Um, but following that, they were away at Forest. So um, I talk Aranka always runs a very, very tight ship, very hard to get any goals past Forest. Um, they did, though, beat Birmingham in the League Cup. Uh, 2-0 and I think Birmingham had probably put them in a similar position to Reading sort of quality wise so I think you know let's not get carried away just yet let's give um, Reading another couple of weeks and see where we are after that 
Yeah, I agree with you, Catherine. I think it's too early to be ringing the sort of panic alarms at Reading. I think you, know, you look at the table in about a month's time and you start to get an idea of where teams are going to be sort of finishing or sort of placing throughout the season. I think given sort of how early it is, it'd be wrong to say that they're favourites or one of the favourites to go down. So give it another month or two and then sort of see where they are then. Um, move on to the next game and obviously get your take on this, Louis. Sheffield United, uh, Lewis, sorry. Sheffield United 2-1 winners over Norwich. Last minute winner by Billy Sharp. Every time I sort of see Sheffield United have won sort of by the odd goal or scored in the last minute, it always seems to be Billy Sharp. And I know he's sort of a, a bit of a hero at the club. Was it sort of a comfortable win in the end? Sort of seeing the stats, it would suggest, obviously, it was a last minute winner, but I think you did more than enough in the game to actually win it quite comfortably. Was there sort of an air of nervousness around the ground or were you still expecting going into those last few minutes that a goal would be coming? Yeah, um it's 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 really it's really good you're saying that whenever you look at the score and you see a Sheffield United win, um, it's usually Billy Sharp on the end of it, um, and I think that's that's the thing about our club is, and it happened a lot last season. Billy Sharp hasn't been getting games. The club captain, our most clinical striker, by a long shot, and he just I don't know whether it's him getting older his age, um, whether he just hasn't got the fitness for it anymore, but it's definitely surely can't be on ability. Past three games, three goals, two wins and a draw in the cup, which eventually we lost, but we'll not talk about that. Um, yeah, he's the man. You start Billy Sharp up front in a Sheffield United shirt and he, it doesn't matter who you're against, whether he gets a goal, he gets an assist, you're always going to get 100% out of him and you're always going to get an 8.5 out of 10 at least. The game as a as a whole, I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather have a 2-1 95th-minute winner than an 8-0 win. I don't know why that is. It's just the adrenaline leaving the ground at the end of the game. There's no feeling like it whatsoever. And especially when you, watch, when you have to watch a team like Sheffield United week in, week out, we play some of the most elegant football in the league, some of the most free-flowing attacking football but we just don't know where the back of the net is and it's not just been the start of this season it's not just been last season it's it's been under several different managers we've just always loved to walk the ball into the back of the net it seems hopefully Billy Sharp can get some more games under his belt and hopefully Leon Clark eventually can find his shooting boots I don't know whether Leon Clark is the future um I think we do need to bring in a new striker to partner Billy Sharp or David McGoldrick, who has had a good start to his Blades career. But how that's how this is going to pan out for us, we'll cease to see. Um, Norwich, a bit of bit of an enemy of ours as the last two seasons. All three games have been pretty nasty. <laughs> Norwich seem to be quite quite aggressive against us. There was quite a few nasty challenges, a few dives from both teams. I'm I'm not going to lie. But yeah, eventually we, we pulled through and after we dominated the game heavily and it's just their game came obviously through Jordan Rhodes, the Sheffield Wednesday man. Who else was it going to come come through? But we, for in, in, in total Sheffield United fashion, we 
dominated the game and somehow only came out with a 2-1 victory in what should have really been a 5-1. I think, Lewis, most championship managers would be really happy to have Billy Sharp on their bench and bring him on for the last 20 minutes of the game if he's not fit enough to start. But um, why not give him a chance if he's certainly banging the goals in? Um, I know quite a few people who have tipped Sheffield United this season to do really well um, as kind of dark horses. Um, so, yeah, definitely one to watch for me. Um, Norwich, they're banging the goals in as well, but equally leaking them at the other end. Um, so Jordan Rhodes popped up as he usually does in the six-yard box. He's pretty clinical at, at that level. Um, but, yeah, Norwich were part of that um, fantastic 3-4 against West Brom last week. Um, I can't tell really if it's going to go in their favour that they're banging the goals in or um, leaking at the other end. Um, but maybe they'd be quite an interesting team if they managed to get into the top six. Um, quite fun to watch, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Catherine. I think Sheffield United will have a good season this year. And, you know, our, Preston have been crying out for a striker as well. We seem to have got one now in... Lucas Metcher from Man City, but Billy Sharp is a player sort of over the last few years that I would have loved at Preston. So definitely a great option to have off the bench if he sort of isn't starting. Uh, and it was quite funny you said there, Louis, uh, that you'd take a 2-1 over sort of an 8-0 win or something like that in the last minute, because that brings us nicely onto the West Brom game. While not an 8-0 win, a 7-1 victory, you know, is sort of a rarity in the division. QPR, a team that I think are really going to struggle this season. They're probably one of the teams I'd tip to be in and around the relegation zone, if not go down. West Brom, we sort of mentioned briefly last week that we think they could potentially push for a playoff place. And, you know, sort of based on the result yesterday, you know, there's no reason why not. How did you two sort of see the game? And do you think that sort of QPR are in danger of going down this season? Yeah, um, I'm quite in two minds on on this game because I don't know whether West Brom are that good or QPR are just that bad. It's definitely, it's definitely a result that is going to happen more than once this season because last weekend when we went to Loftus Road and we narrowly got out of there 2-1 but QPR Steve McLaren had them set up in an awful system which I actually couldn't tell you what he was playing at times there was just one defender against four of our attackers at times there's eight men behind the ball there was just no fluidity throughout the entire team and against us it was the um Eberechies who was at Wickham I don't know whether on loan or they've signed him from Wickham but he was the difference against us and he was actually bringing a spark out obviously Sheffield United we make we make a myth of missing chances and it's just shown that if you be clinical against this McLaren QPR that you can trounce them and have a bit of fun, which West Brom have obviously done. But West Brom's team on paper, it's hands down one, if not the best in the division. The likes of Jay Rodriguez and Dwight Gale up front, can you get a much better championship strike partnership than that? And then it's not, it's like you've got like Kieran Gibbs, Kyle Bartley, Chris Brunt, Jake Livermore, Matt Phillips, You've just got experience throughout the entire team 
with these young players like Harvey Barnes, Adarabayo, Sam Johnson in goal, it's just a crazy looking team. And if Darren Moore can continue his good start to the season, like he had a good, solid end to the Premier League season last year, I, I don't think there's um, any reason why they shouldn't be challenging for the title at the end of the season. Yeah, so um, lots of eyes on that game at the weekend. Um, the QPR, yeah, they're obviously in big trouble. They've got all of this these restrictions on them at the minute. They're clearly trying to hammer the loan market and get some more players in. But I think on the pitch, they're really lacking in steel and just looking, you know, like any team would be really looking forward to their fixture against QPR, I think, at the minute. Um, they've got rid of a lot of the players from when they were quite bloated in the past. Um, very thin squad now. Um, but I think McLaren is a really good manager. Um, it's just going to be a huge challenge for him if he can get the personnel that he needs um, to try and move things forward here. Um, and as for West Brom, yeah, um, I, I think when they got relegated, I think I thought Stoke might be the ones who would come up better from those two. Um, but West Brom have certainly impressed so far this season. As you say, Lewis, a fantastic strike force. Um, and yeah, I'm really not looking forward to playing them on Friday night, um, Middlesbrough. Yeah, you mentioned Stoke there, Catherine, and that takes us nicely on to the, the evening game, Preston against Stoke, a game that I went to. Weird for me to say, considering, you know, the, the squad that Stoke have managed to sort of keep hold of and the players that they've brought in, but I was really disappointed to only come away with a point in this game. To to take the league twice against the Stoke team, who, for the most part, didn't really trouble us. Their their first goal from Eric Peters, you know, unmarked at the back stick, and nine times out of ten, that shot either gets saved or ends up in Rosehead, caught it absolutely perfectly and found the back of the net, and then their equaliser again in the second half. Peter Crouch came on, said to my he's going to score a header here from this set piece and he scores a header from the set piece. So well, while I say header, it came off his back, but, you know, he, uh, a, a player that you need to be marking and we just didn't, you know, sort of put anyone on him. So disappointed from that. I thought we played well, which when we're on Sky, we never really play well. We always seem to not turn up and, and bottle it. There was a few sort of instances last season where we sort of rather embarrassed ourselves on Sky. So, to come away with a point, while I'm disappointed, sort of in the grand scheme of things, if you can take sort of points off the teams that have come down and the teams that are going to be in and around the playoffs this season, you should have a good season. So can't complain too much. Players like Graham Burke and the Metro we've brought in over the summer, you know, look comfortable against a, a better quality of player, uh, sort of in the Stoke side. And you know, I think if we can keep the squad fit this season. Um, Obviously, Maguire and Billy Bowden are out injured long term. But if we can keep the the core of the squad fit and not have the sort of injury crisis that we had last season through sort of the end of October and November, where we really sort of dropped a lot of points, ultimately cost us. I think we can have another good season this year. How did you two sort of see the game going, and where do you expect Preston to to finish this year? I know quite a lot of bookies have tipped us, and I still can't figure out why. Uh, been an optimistic Preston fan that I am, have tipped us to finish sort of third or fourth which you know I just can't see but sort of from an outsider's perspective how do you see Preston getting on this season? Yeah um, as an outsider I, I don't I don't maybe see third or fourth or that, that might be a bit too optimistic but again Preston the cat in a in a similar boat as Sheffield United your teams with the not as high a budget but 
the squad and the management there that is well good enough to propel us to a playoff spot or whatnot. And Preston, I've got a lot of time for Preston. I think it seems to be a team that just season after season keeps on signing these players like Graham Burke, who we just mentioned, these players who no one's really heard of, out of, out of the blue and, and seem to be instantly coming good. And and then in a couple of seasons, yeah, you, you're moving them on moving them on to, to the Premier League or to better championship clubs and then bringing another good player back in to replace him. And he's fitting straight a bit a bit like um, Brentford's system. But yeah, um, I, I see Alex Neal's fantastic boss. I know you play you play um, decent, decent football, maybe not as attractive as Chris Wilder's tactics, but yeah, play some good, good free-flowing stuff. Get a bit gritty at times, but at the championship level, you need you need a player like Ben Pearson in there to break up some tackles and and get get take you a few yellow cards. On the other hand, Stoke, I'm still not convinced on Stoke. I think I think Gary Rowett, he's kind of going a bit down on my estimation. Seems to just be jumping to jobs back and forth these days now. And obviously, there's the team there, but is it? a good enough team like your West Brom who have come down, like your Nottingham Forest who have added. Is it a good enough team? You've got your likes of Ashley Williams, Darren Fletcher, who seem to just be on the decline. James McLean, I don't know why he's gone there. Um, so we'll still be yet to see. Obviously, he's still got two metre Peter, who he's obviously going to come, come up good with your Sunday League tactics. It doesn't matter what what division what division you're in you're always going to score from a few through corners and free kicks when you've got 2 meter peter in the box but yeah we'll we'll still uh, still wait to see what happens with those two clubs well i think the future is pretty bright for preston um i think looking at the first half of this game certainly um to someone who didn't know you would probably think that preston were the side who would drop down from the prem rather than stoke um you look like a strong side. You play good football. For me, I think Preston can definitely expect to finish in the top eight. Um, whether that's going to be a disappointment given how well last season went, I'm not sure. But um, I think it's going to be a good term for you guys. Um, Stoke, obviously, as any team does when they get relegated, you lose some of your big players. So like Shakiri's gone. He was really good for those guys. Um, but I think a little watch out for Stoke is that they can't really rely on bringing Peter Crouch on and uh, banging the ball in the box. It's going to pay off for you sometimes, but you really can't run your whole season from doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what Stoke will do. I think they're obviously a lot stronger than the Birmingham's and the Reddings of the division. So I think they'll be in the top half, um, but I don't think it's going to be straight back up for those guys, unfortunately. Yeah, you mentioned there, Lewis, about our sort of business model of buying sort of young, unknown players and then selling them for a profit and... One player that's now sort of ended up at his boyhood club and it brings us nicely onto Middlesbrough, Jordan Hugill. Um, how, we'll start with you first on this, Catherine. Um, how do you see their season going? Obviously, you've got off to a fantastic start. A 2-0 win at Bristol City yesterday who had quite a good season last year but just sort of fell off at the tail end of it. Do you think Middlesbrough can keep this up through the course of the season and get automatic promotion or a playoffs uh, sort of a more realistic um, sort of goal for Middlesbrough this season? Um, 
I'd like to be pragmatic and realistic and say, let's go for the playoffs and see what happens. Um, there's so much pressure on teams to, uh, on the bigger teams as well, who have previously been in the Premier League in the past few years to come straight back up um, to do these amazing kind of quick turnarounds. And obviously there's been a lot of change at Middlesbrough in the last few years. So um, we had Gary Monk last season, which was kind of a very strange time for the club. He didn't really bed in and, and get things going. And then um, Tony Pulis came in. Um, and now this is his first sort of start to the season where he's been able to um, shape his squad to some effect. Um, but Pulis has warned that actually, um, although he does like to have a thin squad, um, he's worried that Middlesbrough's squad is too depleted at the minute. Um, and I certainly agree with him. So if there were any... Uh, injuries to key players um, I think we'd struggle to fill um, those roles basically um, I think he needs to be looking for another striker and maybe a, probably a creative midfielder because we're going to miss uh, Adana Traore who's gone to Wolves recently um, if we can get one of those on in, on loan um, I think we'll have a really solid squad so the squad's playing really well we've um, been getting the results Um top of the league um, only because we've played four games and most other teams have played three so far so I'm going to enjoy that for the rest of the week while it lasts um, but I think yeah we've got a real good shot at getting into the playoffs um, I think Pulis knows what he's doing um, the initial kind of worries of a lot of Middlesbrough fans of oh great Pulis uh, the classic long ball lumping it up well we haven't really seen that and I think that's a bit of an unfair criticism on him um, we've seen some quite nice football, some good movement, um, and good to see Britis Ombalonga seems to sort of found some form lately um, after having a year of him not really kind of hitting his, his stride. Um, so, yeah, I'm confident and positive at the minute, but ask me after we've played West Brom and Leeds in two weeks and it might be a little bit different. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to agree to disagree with a bit of that. Um Obviously, Tony Pulis, like you said, he has this he has this knack and he has this reputation of hoofball. And I think I hate to admit it, but I think it probably will work for the majority of the season with the tactic with the players you've got. It happened against us. Um, it was a horror. I don't know if you watched the game, Catherine, but it was a horrible game of football to watch. We went down, obviously we went down, what was it, 15 minutes we was down. I went to the game, I I wanted to walk out after 10 minutes. Um, it's just, yeah, big, big team, Middlesbrough. And that's what Pulis likes. Bringing in Aidan Flint, and I presume Ayala's going to be playing some games soon. And, and when that happens, Aidan Flint and Daniel Ayala, what I think if you put those two together, they're about 20 feet tall. And <laughs> in a Pulis system, system, that's only going to shed goals. Um, unfortunately for teams like Sheffield United, or we've already seen, you can't, you can't go to Middlesbrough and expect to play football and expect to press a team like a, a Pulis team, or you will get punished. And if you, you drop those fouls, if you can't get the ball back, you're going to get punished against Middlesbrough. And I, I don't know how, how it's going to work. It's obviously a good start to the season, but maybe you're going to still have to bring in that because last season, obviously, Adama Troyer was there who 
gave that bit of flair which maybe the rest of the team lacked when it came to this hoofball system that Pulis plays. So, but then Braithwaite's come in and Braithwaite seems to be doing a similar job to what Traore did. Maybe not complete and maybe he's got the final touch. Well, maybe Traore didn't in the six-yard box. But definitely Middlesbrough are going to be, are going to be up there in the, in the top six. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Lewis. I think Middlesbrough will be up there this season. And if I was to put a bet on sort of early doors, I think Middlesbrough and Leeds would be my two. Um, but, you know, obviously there's a long way to go in the season. As you mentioned, Catherine, you got those two difficult games coming up. So we could be sat here in about a week, week and a half time having a completely different conversation. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you two want to let everyone know where they can follow you and any projects that you're involved in, now would be a good time. Yeah, so um, I've been Lewis and I've, Representing Sheffield United on the podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore LH9 underscore. And I'm Catherine, um, shouting out for Middlesbrough. If you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at BaseLady. Yeah, and as I said at the start, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I tweet mainly about Preston North End and a bit of German football. And more importantly, you can read us on the show at Championship Pod, where we tweet the link to each new episode out weekly. And there's also plenty of stuff to get involved in, polls and, and that kind of thing over the weekend when there's games on, or even if there's games in midweek like there is this week coming up. So yeah, definitely give us a follow. Check it out, and we'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.